Good morning. I too want to greet each one in Christ's name this morning. And I trust that each one has been blessed this morning to be here this far. This morning I want to share a message with you um, thinking of families and having children. There are many families here this morning and uh, young families and I don't know maybe some of you feel like you have most of it figured out and um, maybe some of you I'm sure some of you would be more well suited to stand up here this morning and to to share on the family we are selves our family is uh, fairly young yet several different stages and um, we're, we're still learning and we have a lot to learn yet. I do want to acknowledge that um, some of my message this morning, um, I would have uh, read some from the book Christian Family Living by John Koblenz. And so some of this message will be influenced by that. But you know, the, a godly home is a rarity in our world today. In fact, we well know that there are so many homes in our world that are single parent homes or many that have may have two uh, partners but um, it may be a second marriage or, or whatever the situation is. Um, just a tremendous amount of broken homes in our world today. And, you know, that's devastating. That's devastating to families and to, to children and to proper understandings of life and of God, of who God is. The family, the healthy, godly family, is God's plan for the healthy development of children. But it's being tremendously attacked by the enemy. But by God's grace, we can have safe and godly homes where children can develop physically, mentally, and emotionally in good ways. I am going to begin here this morning by reading from Psalm chapter 127, which is a very familiar psalm. It's the psalm that talks about children as arrows. Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. 
Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now verse 1 talks, it says, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Building our homes on God and through God is the most important. I think we all know that. To have God central in our homes, to have God as the foundation, that is where it must begin. Now verse 3 talks about children as an heritage. A heritage is something, that word means something inherited. Something that is, is given as a blessing. Um, often it is because of, of being family, because of being children of someone. But nonetheless, a heritage is a blessing. Children are a blessing in our homes. And I trust that each one of us count each one of our children, if we have children, as a blessing, as a gift from God. And then verse 4 speaks of children as being arrows. Arrows in the hand of a mighty hunter. I know a number of you men are archery hunters. You enjoy going out in the woods, taking a bow and an arrow, and hunting for deer. An arrow, we all know, is something that is used to, to reach out and to do something. It is to reach out and to, to kill often a deer. Something that we cannot reach, something that is not right here with us. And you know, we are preparing our children today to reach out into an era that none of us will see. They are as arrows to go. Another thing is when you release an arrow, it's gone. Okay, so you want to make sure of how you prepare your arrow, of how you aim your arrows. Now, as I think of, of arrow performance, um, something you want, some things you want in an arrow is you want it to be straight. If you have a crooked arrow, uh, that's a problem for the flight and for hitting its mark. You want to have the tip balanced on that arrow. And you also want it to have good fletching. In my younger years, working with archery equipment some, I would have made some, some wooden arrows. And it takes effort. It takes time. You don't just end up with a, a nice, a good quality wooden arrow just in a couple minutes time. It takes a couple of steps to get it to that point. But you want to, to get it done right. Another thing with, uh, with a wooden arrow shaft is that at times you'll sight that arrow shaft and it's a little bit crooked. It needs a little bit of bending. It takes a little bit of work to straighten that shaft out. And even so, um, our efforts as parents, it takes effort in preparing our children to go out as arrows 
Happy is the man that, that hath his quiver full of them, a quiver full of arrows. You know, some quivers are different sizes. Some quivers contain more arrows than others. Some contain fewer arrows. And even so, God chooses to fill quivers differently for different families. Happy or blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. A full quiver, as we think of children, also takes a lot, a tremendous amount of responsibility for us as parents. Our world today is not so interested in family, maybe as what it was at one time. Families take responsibility. Families take time. It costs to have family. And there's a measure of selfishness that needs to go if we're going to have a family and we're going to do it well. Okay? So I believe in our world today, there is maybe just more of an interest in my agenda and what I want to do. And they may see children, or at least a lot of children, as coming in the way of their agenda and what they want to do. I think, too, of how women in our world would like to place their career over family. But I just want to tell you, mothers, that mothering is a tremendous responsibility, has a tremendous impact on the lives of children who will someday grow up, probably more than any career that a woman could go out or that anyone could go out and hold. It's worth so much more than you realize, especially in the day-to-day -day responsibilities of it. I just want to bless you as women, as you take your time as mothers in the home, as you take your responsibilities. And no, I'm sure none of you do it perfectly, but that's okay. God doesn't call us to do a perfect job. He calls us to be committed to the work he's called us to. But I just want to challenge you, don't look out there at that option of what, don't look at it as an option of the women of the world who would be looking out there at what they can do, going out and holding a career. Don't have that mindset that when, when this is over with and I can move on and I can go out and maybe get a job like when I was young, because there's also a tremendous impact that you can have on your grandchildren then and on your children as you help your children, your daughters, your, um, their families. Again, I recognize that God has filled, as I mentioned before, different quivers with different amounts of, of arrows or different amounts of children. And um, some are not able to have as many children as others. Um, but I do want, 
I trust that we count each one of our children as a blessing, whether we have a small family or whether we have a larger family. And there may be those who cannot have children, but God has a place for each person. And I've been blessed um, in seeing how, how there are some without children, whether because of singlehood or whether because um, they're not able to have children, um, but how they have an impact, how they can reach out to the children around them. Thinking of family as arrows, it takes intention to prepare these arrows to go out and to serve. In Psalm 22.6, we read, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Train up a child. Put forth that effort. Train is to initiate. It would mean initiate. Or I think of it as to prepare them for the service of God. But we as parents are called to initiate our children into life and for life and for service to God. We're going to turn back to Ephesians again this morning, the first part of Ephesians 6. Again, very familiar verses. Ephesians 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up, train them in the, nature, in the nurture, the admonition, the ways of the Lord. Now the first three verses here are speaking to children. Children, obey your parents. And it gives a blessing as children honor their parents, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long in the earth. But as I think of what it says to children, children, obey your parents. That indicates a responsibility of us as parents. If children are going to obey their parents, they need something to obey. And that brings us to um, the first point I want to share here is the point of authority. Parents are called to be authorities in the lives of their children. I'm going to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11, uh, reading a couple verses here. And 
The first verses I want to look at right now here are not so much that of parents as authority, but looking at God as our authority as parents and our responsibility to God in obedience to God. Deuteronomy 11:13 through 17, and it shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. So God called Israel, his people, to listen to, to obey his commandments. He promised a blessing to Israel as they were obedient to his commandments. As parents, we come under the authority of God and the authority structure that he has set up. But then we are called under God to lead our families in we won't turn there in first Timothy 3 and 4 it's speaking to church leaders but I, I think this applies to everyone not just to church leaders but the call to rule their children and houses well the culture around us says that children need to express themselves and they kind of like they need to do what they want to do. They let them express themselves. And they also say we don't want to hurt them. But God's word calls us to take responsibility. God's word calls us to use the rod of correction. And in our home, we've been reminded recently of the need to use the rod to drive away that foolishness, just like we read in Proverbs. It takes a consistency and um, something that we have allowed to slip in our home some. I believe that as parents teach and require obedience, that authority is understood properly and there needs to be consistency in that as we teach and require obedience and thinking back to the use of the rod and discipline another verse that uh, we read in Proverbs 
Proverbs 13.24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That was a pretty strong fit phrase as I read that. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. And I'm not going to go into trying to explain exactly what that means. Um, but what I do want to say is that sparing the rod is not of benefit to our child. And I'm going to say under normal circumstances, I recognize that there could be situations where there is um, uh, possibly fostering or whatever it may be where there needs to be care in that area. But in the normal circumstances, we need to use discipline and consistently. Children need the security of the proper authority structure. In Ephesians 6, verse 4 there, where it says, Fathers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, bring them up. You know, in the world, as children are given to expressing themselves, they express themselves against those who God has intended over them. And they're acting out of their insecurity. For those of you who were here the other Wednesday night when Brother Carl shared about the situation that, that they had seen of a mother and some boys and just the, the way they uh, responded. I, I forget a little bit exactly how he shared there. But there were some children who were acting out. They were indeed expressing themselves. And it was against the authority that God had set up for them. Probably some very insecure young boys. It has been said that when there is not the proper authority in a child's life, the child lives in fear, and fear in a child's life hinders proper brain development. <coughs> proper authority structure is God's design. And especially if they can study it out and see that it affects proper brain development. Culture does have its effects on the church, and we need to be careful of how the culture affects us in all areas, but um, we're thinking now of in, in raising our families. I would say, I, I, I guess I haven't been around for just too many years, but I think there is a firmness in leadership. There is not a firmness in leadership and authority where it was years ago, and I realize that that can go overboard. But I think we need to be careful not to, to sway and go in the other ditch. As parents, we don't need to be ashamed if we hold a different standard than others that are around us. If we are lovingly and consistently leading and we hold a different standard, our children will respect us for that. 
for taking a stand, even if it's not always easy for them. And maybe they will not feel it so much at the moment, but I think in later years. In verse 2 of Ephesians 6, it talks about honoring parents. Children are to honor their parents. What I'd like to say on that is that children learn from example. Loving authority, requiring honor, and also being examples of honor are necessary ingredients, important ingredients in, in encouraging honor in our children. As I think of that example of honor, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, do your children see you honoring each other? If children see a lack of honor between their father and mother, it will probably be a struggle for them to honor their parents. Be loving authority figures in your children's lives. When are mom and dad no longer the authority in their children's lives? Is there a certain age that that authority is no longer relevant? I remember friends of mine in my younger years would talk about when they turned 18, they were on their own. They were going to be on their own when they turned 18. Does that mean the authority structure has totally changed then? Well, I think as long as children are in the home that there needs to be a degree of authority. I also believe that honor for parents should go long after our parents are gone. Even if it's hard to honor our parents, even if there are inconsistencies in their lives, every one of us here should be honoring our parents at this point. Going back to authority, somehow Abraham taught obedience and honor extremely well to his son Isaac. As Isaac was laying on that altar there, I imagine he looked up at that knife being held above him. 
I don't know if he was tied on that altar or not, but somehow Isaac was placed on that altar or got on it himself. I'm not sure. I found several different ages it's possible Isaac could have been. He might have been 36, some would say. Another source would say he would have been probably 33. And I think uh, this same source I was looking in would have said that Josephus would say 25. Whether Isaac was 25 or 33 or 36, there's no physical way that his 100-year-old plus father could have overpowered him to get him on that altar. Okay, it was something of respect, honor, obedience. And I, I don't have all the answers for that story. Um, I, in fact, a lot of questions. I believe God's hand was in that. But Abraham didn't just tell Isaac, all right, you're loose now, do what you want to do. I'm out of your life now. No, Abraham still had an impact on Isaac's life, even at that age. Self-expression has touched our circles. But even youth-age children need that security of parental authority. And I trust, and I'm, I'm not there. We've hit the 11-year-old mark. Youth days are coming. But I believe that as parents, we need to still be an authority in our children's lives. Usually the clock doesn't get away from me, but it did this morning. I was expecting it. I'd like to think some about family interaction yet. So we looked at the authority of parents in the lives of their children. Also, we want to look as we raise our families of family interaction and just want to continue reading here in Deuteronomy 11. If you're not there, you don't need to turn there. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. So keeping the words, the commandments of God. Verse 19, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, we see interaction there with the children, sitting in the house, walking in the way, when you rise up, when you lie down. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children, in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Family interaction, it provides a controlled environment to learn relational skills as well as other skills.
But family interaction, thinking of learning relational skills, those are skills that will be used on a church level, on a level of the mission field, should they be called to the mission field, in their occupation, and just in general, in relating to people. As they learn to relate to brothers and sisters and parents, they will learn those skills to be used for the rest of their lives. Training with interaction provides opportunity for them to live it out. They are being molded as they are developing. They need that molding as they are developing. Also practical skills, as we mentioned. A mother can teach her daughter homemaking skills that she can practice immediately and carry through life. Those homemaking skills can be taught at a very young age and can be learned well, very well. A father can teach practical things alongside his son that can be used later in life. You know, there's drastic changes from years ago in, in life. Um, my wife grew up on a farm, so her father was at home or around the place much of the time. I grew up with a, a father who had a, a small business of his own, and so most days he went out and worked on the job. And that's how, just looking over here, most of us would be in that setting now. There aren't the small family farms where dad is at home and interacting throughout the day. So it takes intention to, um, to interact daily. We come home from work and we're, we're busy. We have things to do. Um, or just plain tired, if nothing else. We are relational beings. And every person needs that interaction, even as a newborn child. A newborn child is relational already and needs interaction. And just thinking of that, I just encourage mothers and fathers to to enjoy your babies to to hold them and and not just hold them but to to talk to them and show them that they're valued they may not understand the words that you're saying to them but they're going to understand and feel that value that you give to them and you know maybe it's a little more this way for men i don't know but um as, as young men without children, we're not used to quite getting down on that goo-goo-goo level to a baby. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. That's meeting your child on their level. And, and um, it's showing that they are valuable to you and that you love them. I want to bring out several ways of family interaction that I believe should happen. One of those ways is working together. You know, it's easy to tell the children to go do the dishes. Supper's over. Go do the dishes. Um, this is, I'm actually not really speaking to this side as much, but how about saying, children, let's go do the dishes. 
Okay? Um, that's something that I, I try to do some. Don't do it as much as I would like to. There are times that it can't be done, but I think for myself there's more times that it could be done, should be done. Let's go clean up the garage. You're again speaking to fathers instead of I'm going out to clean the garage or you go clean the garage. Let's do it together. Cleaning the vehicles together. Think of home maintenance and how it can teach valuable skills to children when you do it together with them. Practical skills. Another thing is gardening. This was brought out in, in uh, Christian family living. That gardening is a valuable thing to teach to children. Teaches them hard work. It's an opportunity to teach diligence. And you can also teach them things about God's creation. And growing plants. You can enjoy seeing what God is doing in, in um, making those seeds to sprout and grow up. I'd also say we're possible and safe. It can be good for young boys to go along to work with dad. Now, I recognize that's not always possible, not always safe. Work is a creation principle. God told Adam to take care of the garden. That was, uh, I believe it was even before the fall. Take care of it, dress it, work in it. So work is something that God um, set up from the very beginning. I would say be careful for the child that wants to avoid work. If it's a creation principle, it's important for all to learn to work. And, you know, some will enjoy work more than others, but it's good for everyone to to work. Working together also provides opportunity to talk together. We can look back in that verse there. Teach your children, uh, speaking of the commandments, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, whatever you're doing, you have opportunity to relate and to teach to your, your children. Another point of interaction is playing together. Yeah, it's good to teach them to work, but it's also good to teach them that playing is okay. There needs to be a balance there. Probably all heard the saying, all work and no play makes Jack a very dull boy. Playtime is important for imagination, exploration, recreation. We all need those times. Maybe just a side note here. But be aware of who your children are playing with and be aware of where they are playing. We as parents have responsibility in being involved in our children's play and making sure it's safe. Not all places and times are safe and people are safe for our children to play with. Thinking of playing together uh, table games in the evening can be a good thing. Uh, more physical games where you get out and run, just playing hide and seek. And I have a memory of, um, 
I don't know that we did this often, we would have done it a couple times, but playing hide and seek in the house as a boy. And one time dad came and played with us. And um, it's great fun when dad comes and plays a game with you. And during that time we were playing, uh, there was a telephone call. It was for my dad. My dad was hiding and my dad stayed hiding. Whoever answered the phone or someone went and tried to find or call him and let him know there was a phone call, uh, no. The staying hidden, playing this game was more important than that phone call. Maybe especially for fathers, it's a lot of fun to get on the floor with your children and to, to whatever you do on the floor with your children, um, to, to catch them, to, to do whatever. Um, I'm sure you have your, your games that you play with your children when you're on the floor. Doing things like going fishing together, taking your family fishing, a time of recreation, a time of fun. Um, reading books. I think it's important for development. Um, it, it is fun. Children like to hear books read, but I think it's, it's good for them and important to, for them to hear their parents read to them. And, and even to, to ask them questions about what they're reading. Are they understanding it? Are they comprehending it? And just, um, just a, a small but a very practical and important thing. Playing doll. I asked my daughter this morning if I ever played doll with her. She couldn't remember. Uh, I can't remember either. But um, fathers, it's okay to hold a, a doll with your daughter. That's, that's fine. Uh, pushing tractors on the floor, uh, playing with the animals. And um, maybe mothers are a little more fine with doing that than fathers with playing doll. But um, you can have great fun with your children in crossing some of those, um, yeah, what you think of as for a man or for a woman to do in, in playing. <clears throat> Play together, but don't give them gadgets to keep them occupied. Don't put them, don't put videos movies, things like that in front of them to occupy them. Games, things like that. Keep them in the real life, in the real world, and be involved with them. I'm not sure that we really recognize, and I haven't studied into it a lot, but the, the damage and how it can affect our children to be pumped full of the electronics as their young brains are developing. We need to really think seriously about that. Have fun with your children on their level. Another point of interaction is eating together. And especially as the family grows older, we can't always eat together. And just thinking of going away to work, we can't eat every meal together every day. But try to to have regular meal times together. Maybe it's supper time or breakfast time and supper time. I think, I, think I think supper time especially should be a priority to have with our children and if possible, uh, breakfast time as well. 
and not just a quick mealtime, but unhurried mealtimes. Take your time at mealtime. It can be a time of conversing, good discussion. I was trying to think back to my um, younger years at home uh, before I was married, and I, um, I think of mealtime as being a good time uh, that we as a family would have enjoyed together for the most part. Fathers, ask questions. And not just general questions. Pick out a child. Ask a question. How their day went. Um, think about the child, the child that's quieter, that doesn't speak up as much, that's not heard as much. And make sure they have their chance to be heard as well. Also, as you sit down and eat with your children, teach them how to eat. Teach them about eating healthy, balanced meals and to appreciate the food that is served to them. And fathers, I'm just, I'll pick on you again. But uh, I hope that your wives and children don't hear you complaining about the food that's prepared for you. I hope they learn from you to appreciate um, the food, the healthy food that is made. And it's so important as children develop and even for us as adults to have good, healthy, balanced diets. Another point of interaction is worshiping together. And again, I'm gonna use that word unhurried. Unhurried worship together. A family time, of worship daily and encourage discussions that come up about a story you read, about a verse you read. Uh, be willing to discuss it and take the time. Take the time to sing. Don't just figure it'll happen when they go to school, that they'll learn it when they go to school. Even if you don't think of yourselves as a singing family, I encourage you to do it. Um, enjoy it and um, help your children to learn to appreciate it. Another thing if you may feel like you're not so much of a singing family, is there is a lot of good a cappella music out there to listen to and to enjoy having played throughout the house through the day. Also in worshiping together, teach children to pray. Home is probably the most comfortable place they'll have to learn how to pray. And there again, some are quick to want to do that. Some, it takes a little more encouragement to do that, maybe helping them along in praying. We don't want to limit our worship time to a specific amount of time in the day, but we do want to worship God throughout the day as well. And my last point here in, in family interaction um, is that of involvement in education. And, um, you know, many of you send your children to school, and that's, that's okay, that's fine. Uh, some of you, at least one family, would homeschool as well. And that is, that is fine too. There's different choices in how we um, um, do that, the, the education of our children in school. But discuss with your children what's happening at school. Um, listen to them, hear them, 
Are there things that are bothering them that are happening at school? How did their day go? What are they enjoying? What are they learning? Um, show an interest in that. Also discuss, and I say appropriately, discuss the things that you would discuss with their teacher as they need to be discussed. Thinking of being involved in their education. Fathers, it's good to see you there for chapel on Wednesday mornings. Another thing with um, the school at Millmont is um, as teachers we send home a weekly folder with work that they've done. And um, it's good to see not only the mother's signature, but at times the father's signature on the work that both, and, and I realize it doesn't happen every time, but to know that fathers and mothers are involved in seeing what's happening at school. Interaction is relation. Good interaction is good relationship. Keep good interaction with your children in all points of life. One important point I want to remember in family interaction is remember the off button. We have electronics. They are in our homes, in our pockets. But remember, don't allow electronics to rob of our family time. We'll regret it in years to come if we do that. So I just want to bless you, fathers, mothers, children, here today. Again, the family is so important. And I just trust that each one of us can enjoy whatever stage we're at, down from a little child up to a grandparent, enjoying the stage that God has given us to interact with the family unit. Okay, I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we will dismiss with a closing prayer and the benediction.